Hey everyone, welcome to She Brigade, the podcast. I'm your host, Bilun Jamusemeche. At She Brigade, we aim to empower by aspiring to storytelling. On this show, we chat to different phenomenal women around South Africa, and we dive into their stories and journeys that have led them to where they are today. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of She Brigade. Today on the show, we have Babalo Katleho Makupu. Babalo is currently a property underwriter. She is a philanthropist and motivational speaker. Babalo obtained her BSc in actual science, cum laude by the way, and she also got her BSc honors in actual science. She is an innovation partner at her current company, and she's also the head of school's outreach program at Asana. Like, Pablo has, like, there's a list. I could go on and on describing all the things that you've done and all the accolades and achievements that you've achieved. Uh, but you really one person that I'm, I've been waiting for this story. <laughs> I've been waiting for your story because you've won so many awards. You do so much for the community. You do so much for your industry as well. So welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Okay, so I always say we start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Let's start from the beginning. Who is Baba Lo? Where does Baba Lo come from? And what has led to you being who you are today? Well, for me, um, I grew up in Kroenstadt, so small town in, in the free state. And uh, I have my elder sister and my younger sister, so three girls in the family. So, my parents uh, had to be creative to make sure... <laughs> So uh, I think for me, in terms of what shaped me was definitely my, my parents. So my mother is a, is a school teacher mm-hmm. and my father is a correctional officer. But then I think for them, in terms of what they always instilled in us is that you're capable of anything, never be limited by what you think you can achieve or what is in front of you. Always see the bigger picture. And I think also it's about the generations because with them, they were one better than their parents mm-hmm. and in terms of us that is what they also expect from us to be one better from them and then at the end of the day is just a cycle of improvement and a cycle where the next generation is actually enriching enriching the family mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then uh, for me in terms of school so Kronstadt is small I went to Kron primary and from there Kronstadt high school okay <laughs> and, and when you were in high school did you know what you were going to study I think for me uh with my limited knowledge, I get it. You always know doctor or accountant, teacher or nurse. So I was always a numbers person. And I thought I was going to be an accountant. I thought I was going to make a lot of money. And <laughs> <laughs> and with those uh, limited options, that's what I chose because doctors and nurses are not for me. And mm. the teacher's like, hmm, I'm not sure if I want to be stressed by other people's kids. Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> Teaching is a yeah. different ballgame. Yeah, but then teaching is nice. But then at the end of the day, it also takes a special type of person mm. who will be patient, mm. who understands different personalities, different dynamics, who understands how to pay something based on the child. We, mm. we can't just all learn black and white because we're all different. We all learn in different ways. And you need someone who's capable of adjusting based mm. on the child's personality or their learning pattern. So then I chose... a. Um, Accounting, given that for me that was the best option, given that I love numbers and accounting, until I think was my matric year when uh, I started learning about actuarial science. Because also at the end of the day, we also don't get a lot of information and a lot of insight in terms of what is actuarial science. And I do a lot of school visits to tell people there is this type of profession. 
But then also with this profession, it comes with, you need to know from grade 10, 11, 12, it's a build-up. You don't just wake up one day and decide, oh, I'm going to study child science. You need the maths, you need English, and you need a bit of business and accounting background to be able mm. to make it. So I think it's important that people know in terms of what different professions are there and where do I as a person slot in. So for me, that change or that adjustment from accounting to actual science was actually <laughs> a weird one because uh, I got a bursary to study actual science. I think it was like around September in my in my matric year. Mm. I was about to sign the, the bursary form when I saw, oh, no, you need to stay in a specific grade with all your classmates. And I thought, hmm, that's not for me. I don't want to live with someone, go to class with someone, eat with someone. And then you're not necessarily broadening or diversifying in terms of your knowledge, your skill set, meeting people. So I think the story that I told my parents that, oh, no, um, I found actual science. It's my new calling. It's my new passion. And it was a difficult conversation to have. But then they don't know the truth of that is based on the fact that I just wanted to stay in the same race as my elder sister. So. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so they knew you had the best for counting. Oh, uh, yes. So, but then so remember, now it's like September, yeah. my final year. Yeah. I, I have a bursary in front of me. So for them, it's like you have this amazing opportunity. They're paying for your schooling, tuition, books, accommodation, food, whatever you need. And all of a sudden, you have this amazing... Uh, realization that you want to be an actuary I'm like yes yeah, so i think uh yeah, it was a tough conversation given that they're like how does it make sense to you do you even know what this is i'm like no i'll find out as i go along the way because for me i felt like i cannot be in this small circle mm, where confined. i'm not I, I already felt confined even before going into that environment and i think also at the end of the day everything happens for for a reason because for me i already had my plan I'm going to stay in the same place as my sister. I'm going to be an accountant. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then sometimes I guess life just throws you a bit of a curveball. Mm. And then you also need to analyze and internalize what does this actually mean? And how does it fit into my, my ultimate plan? And when I had that conversation, I remember my little sister was studying. She opened the door. It's like, oh, la raza, I'm trying to study. And I'm like, so I guess that's the end of the, oh. the conversation. <laughs> you took that as an out. <laughs> that's the end of the conversation. So we've all agreed that I'm going to study actuarial science. And whether I have a bursary or not, uh, it will all fall into place and it will all happen. So luckily for me, I even had other accounting bursaries. So mm. it was in, in January when they were announcing the, the top hundreds for the matriculants of the year. And I was fortunate enough to be in terms of the top four in the free state in terms of oh. my, my matric year. So that was fortunate. Then I got a, a bursary to finally study actuarial science, my passion. <laughs> passion. <laughs> my true passion. They paid for my accommodation. They even gave me a laptop. I got food. So I, I believe that everything literally mm. works out. You just need to have most probably not necessarily a concrete plan. You just need to have most probably a vague idea in terms of where am I going and how does everything fit into the bigger picture? And I think also something that I've learned is that you need to be willing to learn, relearn, unlearn, and then again, because you never know if this is truly your, your journey mm. or your path that you were meant to go on. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's okay. <laughs> okay. And then okay, where did you go to university? Uh, in the Free State, University of Free State. Okay. Yeah. So how was your varsity journey? In terms of my, my varsity journey, I think compared to most other people, compared to most other universities, it was actually like quite nicer and quite a seamless journey. Because mm. for me, I believe that in terms of how 
my course was structured at the University of Fees is in such a way that it's based on your exam. So with actual science, you have your core technical subjects. So that is what you do in terms of your undergrad. And even if you don't get the exams or the exemptions at university, you can always write it with the actual society of South Africa. So it's mm-hmm. literally like your, your CFA exams that you write and then you get exemption. So with me, when I finished varsity, I had all my exemptions, which made it quite an easy, seamless process when you get to work. And I think also for me, I also had the ultimate plan at the end of the day to say that I'm here to study and to finish my exams. And it was a matter of I needed to surround myself with people that understood that and people that fit into that vision. But then there's also other people that say, okay, this is varsity. It's the first time I'm out of the house. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to party. I'm going to do whatever it is that I've always wanted to do. And Mm. I think also at the end of the day, it depends on on the person as well. And for me, that was my decision, my journey. And from my varsity experience, I only have a handful of friends that are still with me today. And in terms of our relationship, we feed into each other. We encourage each other to, to grow and to develop and to be the best version of ourselves. And even if you were on the other side to say, okay, I don't necessarily feel that I need to qualify or get my degree in record time. It's all about you and your values and what you are able to live with at the end of the day. If you want the varsity experience to enjoy it and maybe start writing exams later on once you're done, just write it with the institute, it's a choice that you make and it's a choice that you should be comfortable with and makes you happy at the at the end of the day. Because I feel also most of the time we make choices or decisions not knowing what the end impact will be or the ultimate impact will be. And then that's when there's a lot of conflict, especially mm. among, among female, when I decided to take this path, you decided to take a different path. And now all of a sudden you're angry at me for no apparent reason, given that, okay, maybe now I wanted to go do that. That's where I see myself. But then the decisions and the choices that I made led me to a different place. Mm. And now the judgment and the resentments goes to goes to someone else and I feel like even us as females even in in the workplace that's that's something that we need to work on to say okay this is the journey understand what it means understand the implications and at the end of the day this is for me even when you when you decide to start a family it's a choice that you make to say okay I want to go the mom route or I want to go the career route but then at the end of the day you need to understand it and not necessarily judge someone else for taking uh, a different, different path, path yeah mm, mm, that's very true yeah okay so then you well, you started working mm-hmm. yeah so take us through your corporate journey so my corporate journey I feel like uh, I always tell people I'm the laziest person <laughs> in the office <laughs> oh my goodness okay <laughs> so for me my my corporate journey has also been like a one one full of growth and and development so I did my honors uh, in Bloemfontein as well and um Throughout my honors, I was super fortunate to, to get a bursary. So even uh, I tell my little sister all the time, networking is super important because mm. the way I got my bursary was in my second year, uh, I volunteered. So I think a piece of advice, always put your hand up, always volunteer for stuff. So I, I volunteered to be part of the student liaison committee through the actual society. And I met uh, one of my, my mentors, uh, Peter Stadum, who used to work at Munichree, the company that I'm at now. And... Through that, I got offered vacation work. So from second year, I already had the experience in terms of what does the corporate environment look like? Um, who's going to be my manager? What is the 
culture in terms of the, the workplace, what is required of me at the end of the day. So for me, by the time I got to my, my honors year, they offered me a bursary and a job afterwards in the graduate program. So I never even had to go for, for an interview to, to get oh, my wow. job. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you so, like one of the you. <laughs> so they paid for my honors year. And I think that was something that was quite instrumental for me doing your honors, knowing that after this, I already have a job. Mm. It doesn't depend on my marks. It doesn't depend on what I do. It doesn't depend on anything. I already have a job. I'm already sorted. And all I need to focus on is my studies because it's a lot of pressure and a lot of burden mm. for most people at universities to think, I need to study. I need to find food. I need to find accommodation. I need to make ends meet. And all those pressures at the end of the day build up mm. and you can't necessarily just sit and focus on on your exams. So I uh, started working in 2016 as part of the the life department. And it was quite nice because I already knew the person and through, as I mentioned, through networking, uh, I already knew like our current CEO was the manager back then. Oh. And most people are like, how do you talk to the CEO as if he's your friend and your buddy? And like, at the end of the day, that is how most probably you need to speak to your, to your leadership because that's how you understand and get to a point where we all share in the same vision. Because mm -hmm. now if it's exco and leadership over there and then it's the rest of us over here, we never get to a common ground. But then at the end of the day, we're all trying to achieve the same thing at the end of the day. And I think it's also about that honest communication to say, okay, this is what I want to do and mm -hmm. this is what I want to achieve. And I think through that, when was it? I think in 2017, I was still a graduate and then from the whole company, I was selected to go on the uh, IIG International Tour. So that is run by the Insurance Institute of Gauteng. And uh, I think a lot of, I got a lot of comments to say, and how did you manage to, to get this opportunity? Because it's not cheap. We went to Hong Kong and to, to Singapore. Mm. So imagine among all these executives, these senior managers, was this one young grad sitting there on this international tour. No one thought I could offer anything worthwhile but then at the end of the day it is the CEO that decides who goes there and through the conversations that we've had he knows what I have to offer in terms mm. of the company I am representing the insurance industry and on top of that I'm insure, I'm representing my country on top of that is about being vocal and I think most people tell you you need to have your your elevator pitch or your one minute pitch which is very essential to say okay if you were to meet the CEO or someone that you admire in an elevator, what is your one minute pitch that would make them remember you or yeah. make them know what do you want, what do you want or what are you looking towards achieving and how they can contribute towards that goal at, at the end of the day. So I think for me, like at the end of the day, always pick your hand up and always be vocal at the end of the day because no one is going to know what you want or what you want to achieve if you're not vocal about it. So that was, what, 20, 2017? 2017, yeah. Uh, from there, uh, I moved to casualty underwriting, which is on the, the short-term side, which deals with your insurance regarding your motor casualty, your liability, witness compensation. So that move also came about, uh, I was approached by HR to say they're looking for people that have a feel for numbers and if I'd be interested in, in joining the team. I was like, oh, yeah, certainly. Um, it's going to be like, it was supposed to be a six-month thing where I'm getting experience and exposure. And I just said, no, it's fine. Um, you can never go wrong with learning or getting new information. And mm -hmm. if I didn't like it, it was just 
six months out of how many years that I'll be working. And so I tried it and I enjoyed it. And I think also for me, it's important to always give 110% in terms of what you do, because you never know who's looking or who's watching you. And I think uh, about a year later, I was asked to join the, the property underwriting team. So with that, I was like, hmm, I'm not sure. So it was a permanent position. I was still a grad at that time. And I thought, hmm, but I like casualty. But then at the end of the day, if there's a different team that needs me or that requires my skills and expertise more than my current team, then maybe that's where I should also go, which also speaks to the fact that you also need to have, as I mentioned, an ultimate plan. It's not necessarily a concrete five-year plan to say that in the next five years, I want to be a, a general manager or whatever the case may be. Mm. It's about the fact that there's so many different routes towards achieving the same thing. You just need to make the right choice in terms of how do you get there. And I think even like a conversation that I had a, a few a few weeks ago, it was with the, the CEO of The Shard. So The Shard is a Black-owned actual consultancy, like fully 100% Black-owned. Oh, wow. The staff are Black-owned. And in terms of their vision, that is what they want to see. They want to see this uh, profession being represented by the demographics of South Africa. And when you think of an actual person, you mm. think of an old white guy. Because yeah. that's how it's always been. And for them, the vision is, how do we transform this? How do we make it representative? How do you make sure that when someone says actuarial science, they think of a young black female? So in terms of them, what I also learned from the conversation that I had is you also sometimes want to say, okay, at the end of the day, the day I want to be in this role or this position. But then when you get pulled left, right, and center, you go with the tide. You need to also, in terms of the decisions, because this move that I made was always strategical from the life department, casualty, property was always a strategic decision. It wasn't just, okay, I've been pulled this way or pushed that so way. I'll just go, mm -hmm. yeah. So at the end of the day, it was around, in terms of my exams or in terms of my ultimate goal, I want to be an overall actuary. Even if you want to be the CEO, you need to have a bit of experience in everything because you're making decisions not based on this is what I know. You're making decisions based on this is the overall picture. This is how it affects each and every single department and each and every single piece that is moving yeah, within your, your company. So for him, the advice that he also gave me is that everything needs to be strategic. You need to make small incremental um, steps, decisions, investments towards achieving your ultimate goal at, at the end of the day. And I feel like for me, that is what I've always been doing. And uh, I think I got to a point where I slipped. So <laughs> that is when I, I joined the, the innovation team. So I think also it's around you shouldn't be comfortable in terms of what you're doing and what you know. So even joining the, the innovation team was a matter of you're not necessarily being asked to join the team. You're being told, like, oh, oh okay, thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> so in terms of our innovation team, it was in 2018 where they're busy starting up the department. So they were looking for a few people to actually join the team. So it was me and a colleague of mine, Shannon. Uh, so they were looking for young, fresh people who are energetic, who are ambitious, who who will help in terms of driving the innovation strategy at the end of the day. And for me, when I thought innovation, it's not black and white to say, if I put in these numbers, this is more or less the outcome. It was more of a blurred line vision. So when I went into it, I was nervous. I was scared. I was thinking, oh, I hope I don't shoot myself in, in the foot because I don't know what, what I'm doing. And I think also with with that is around us as females. We always 
undermine ourselves even before we try, even before we, we do anything. And mm. then at the end of the day, you feel like a, the, the imposter syndrome to say, uh, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't get this opportunity. And that is what sucks a lot of anxiety and self-doubt. And that is how we end up, especially with, with mental illnesses being such a huge thing. Mm. It also stems from the fact that you yourself do not feel worthy of the position or the place that you're in that now you're looking around who's watching, who's saying what, not just giving it 110%. And if you fail, it's okay. You you gave it your best. Uh, you got the experience. And for me, that's what I did going into this role. Mm. And it was, in terms of me personally, it was massively um, a great experience because the growth that I got in, in being in the innovation team because now I was seeing clients by myself. In underwriting, you have your senior underwriter who always has your back. So now in this role, I was literally by myself seeing clients, making deals, negotiating on behalf of my company. So it means that when I go to a meeting, I need to be 110% sure of we as a company, we as Munich Re, this is what we have to offer. Mm. And you as a client, this is how we can meet you halfway. These are the resources that we can provide you. These are the skills that we have, the resources that we have. But I think for me, what would have hurt me was I promise something to the client, I go then, back. Yeah, and you can't deliver. <laughs> yeah. And like, oh, why would you even promise that to the client? So I had to be on my toes all the time. So that was uh, for six months uh, to help start up the department. And I think for me, the, the reason why they asked me to go in there was around the fact that they wanted to to build more products around microinsurance, which speaks to be more financially inclusive when it comes to insurance. Because with us in the insurance industry, most people think it's around, you need to be rich, you need to have money, you need to have this. But then you forget at the end of the day, when you think of insurance, it's also your medical aid. If something yeah. happens, you need to get your health in check. You think of um, the fires where Alexandra, Kailisha, all those places, Insurance means that if anything were to be down, you can pick yourself up and rebuy all your furniture, your house, your car, all the documents that you mm -hmm. need. That is what insurance means. And the current uh, products that we have in the market don't necessarily meet the needs of the people that are looking towards or that need these products or these services more. So in terms of us, that is what we are trying to, to build. And we had a, an idea campaign which we ran within the company to hear what are people looking for? What do they want? What do they achieve? And how do we as a company um, make it happen for them? Mm. And um, I think with us, we're still in pilot phase in terms of the type of products that we want to offer, that we want to introduce, because it's not just a simple plug and play course. With most insurance, you decide this is the product, let's go sell it. And it always needs to be the other way around to ask what do you need and how can we use our skill set and our resources yeah. to provide you as the end client with Mm -hmm. with what you need because that's the only way to make this successful and so after that uh i went back to the property team so hence now i'm doing both innovation and property given that the skill set that i learned from going into a position that made me uncomfortable that made me question what i know and what i believe in was the biggest growth factor in terms of my career development but then still at the same time i wanted that technical expertise the numbers and because I have a few for numbers. That is what excites me at the end of the day. And you need both, as I mentioned, to be able to go to a client and promise them something. You need to know that 
this is something that we can offer or that that we can can deliver. Mm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that you also like you you said it actually. You need to be strategic with the moves that you make. You should mm-hmm. make small incremental like <laughs> I listened to that and I it's something that I would I would actually yeah, I'm gonna implement that. Okay, so um so you're also part of Asaba and you are the head of schools outreach program. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about that. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, for me, when I went into actuarial science, it wasn't necessarily the, the most smartest of decisions when I made the choice to move over. But for me, I feel that there are so many people out there that could have a feel for actuarial science, that have a feel for numbers, but then don't necessarily know that this career path or this journey exists. And you also don't want to limit yourself. I think... Even with, with my mother, she's a, she's a teacher. So she always tells people, never go for maths lit because you never know which doors that you're closing for yourself mm. now already. Then you get to your matric year and decide, oh, actually, I can qualify. I have the accreditation. I have the bursary to do something. But then in terms of your, your skill sets and your maths and everything that you need, then you do not meet the, the final requirements of the university. So you always need to keep your, your doors open. And with me... Uh, I feel that also in terms of my core purpose in life is to ensure that other young black females are more successful. They are at a better place because of me, because I enjoy talking to young girls. I enjoy mentoring them because I feel that I've had so many wonderful mentors that have come to me and said, oh, you should try this or you should do this. Instead of burning my fingers and then five, 10 years down the line, realizing that oh, maybe I should have done that. It's quite important to to have a mentor. And I feel that also when I did my, my Women in Leadership program, we did it at business school, they always talk about mentorship, you need sponsors. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be someone in a high position or someone in a, in a management role. Because for me, I feel like my biggest supporters or the people that have contributed to my growth and to my success, success have been my, my peers, have been my colleagues and even at work there's a this one one girl Shannon who's always advocating for this is what you are doing this is what you're capable of doing keep on at it let me be your your sponsor and with her she's at the point where if I do something great she's the one who's marketing advertising letting people know that this is what's going on this is what's happening and even through that that is how you attract your next mentee or attract your your next mentor because even most of the actual ladies at, at school, most of the grads always come to me and say, okay, um, this is what we need. How do we navigate our studies? How do we navigate our moves? And through that, that is what I want to get into the, the school environment now ready to give um, the ladies, give the young boys, the young black females and boys that, that self-worth to say that I'm going to be uh, an actuary within the next five or seven years. This is what I need to do now to equip myself for the future. And it's just around education and that knowledge to know that this career path exists. And if it's for me, this is what I need to do. Mm. Because you don't want to be in a position, as I mentioned, where you feel the fire for something, but you can't necessarily do it because of one decision that you made to do maths lit, to make sure that you get 80% at the end of the year instead of doing pure maths and rather get a 70% 
or 75%, but you have so many doors open for you at the end of the day. And through the work that we do at Asaba is also geared towards ensuring that the profession is more well-rounded and representative of the black people within our country. So even with us, what we do is that we, we have a lot of mentorship sessions around various universities. We help students also to be able to find bursaries to assist them in terms of the application at, at university. And I think also with that, it speaks to there's a lot of universities, but then there's also different cultures or different aspects within various universities. You need to get some insight from someone who's been there mm. to know if, is this a right fit for me or not? Because as I mentioned, I went to Bloemfontein. So with Bloemfontein is the, one of the universities that don't have all the actual exemptions. But for me, it was a good fit for me, given that I knew what was in store. We had small classes. I think our honors year, when I did honors in 2016, was the biggest class with 13, 13 people within One the class. One three. <laughs> One three. So that sure. was the biggest honors class that they had. The year before that, they had like four. Uh, the year before that was nine. So for me, it was around the mm. fact that I do not want to be just a number within a class of 100 or 200 people. I want to be in an environment where... I can have a relationship with my peers mm. so that I know who's good at maths. And if I'm struggling at maths, I know who to go to and it's easier to approach the person. I also want to be in an environment where I can have the relationship with my lectures as well. And if I go to the office, they already know, okay, these are the gaps that she has. And the advice that they give you is based on something that they know. It's not just a generic advice. Oh, just go study harder or do this example or this example, they're also much more accommodative given that they share in your, your goals to pass and to do well. Because mm. if you have such a small class, you want everybody to do well. You build those personal relationships and you share in each and everyone's vision. You understand their shortfalls and that's how you assist them as well to be able to, to maximize and get to a point where each and every one of us succeeds. So I think for us in terms of what we do as a sub and majority of the the black people within the profession is that we want to see the face of actual science changing. We want it to be um, black, we want it to be female, and we want it to be the norm. It shouldn't be a situation where someone questions you or you yourself question yourself. Because even with this profession that we have, there's a lot of young ladies that go into the corporate environment, and that's when you start to crumble. Because mm. now you've You've been the best at maths, you have your degree and you get here and you also do not see anybody that looks like you. You see uh, white people, you see males and they're the ones that are growing, they're the ones that are developing and you start second guessing yourself, you start questioning yourself. And I think for me, I've also been through, been through that and it was a point where at work they were restructuring and I think also it was just work and everything, you know, when something goes wrong, everything just goes wrong and uh, I was sitting with a friend of mine uh, she was helping me with my, my exam studies and she's telling me that you need to understand that actuaries do not get retrenched I'm like what does that even mean I'm not an actuary she's like no you need to understand that qualified or not you and actually need to act like it you need to behave like it and people draw into this confidence if you mm -hmm. walk into a room and you're confident you have your heels you have your suit on people automatically take you take you seriously and if you walk in there you have your t-shirts flip-flops you just somehow disappearing you're part of the furniture and it's also about knowing that you have a voice you have something to contribute if you 
sitting in, in a meeting is about saying that this is my two cents and not thinking, okay, should I say this? No, I shouldn't say this. Or you mumble it out and then someone else says the exact same thing and you feel like, but then I thought of it first. Now everybody's praising this person. And then also mm. that shoes down your self-confidence as well to say that, but then this is what I thought, why is this person better than me? And at the end of the days around, this person was probably doesn't second guess themselves. They don't doubt themselves. They don't feel that they're not good enough. And that's the only difference between you and the next person. You're all qualified. You all have something to contribute. You just need to, to voice it out and let people know this is what I'm thinking. And you never know at the end of the day who it will benefit. Because even for me, I feel like if you say something, it's not necessarily about you. Because uh, I do a lot of uh, these school visits. It's about talking to the students. And if I'm busy worrying about does my English sound correct, I'm not necessarily giving the students the message yeah. that they need to hear. So the attention that they need mm, as well. Mm. Yeah, so it shouldn't necessarily be about me. It's about this is the message that the students need to hear in terms of their growth and their development. And whether I'm shaking or I'm about to faint is <laughs> not the issue. The issue is that this is the message that I was required to, to give through. And my body is just a vessel at the end of the day and I think I believe or I believe that that is how I, I live my life to say mm -hmm. that whatever choices or whatever decisions that I make is not necessarily about me it's about there is most probably some girl out there who's looking towards me to see okay what is her her next move what is she going to do what is she busy with now and how does that inspire her to be the best version of, of herself as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow okay so you were <clears throat> sorry you were recently you, you recently won the ceo global's pan africa award for africa's most influential women in business and government <laughs> what <laughs> what like how did that happen so i'm just like what wow well so for me uh i was also in the same position uh i got an email from from them saying okay we've been looking at your profile, just send us your, your bio. I'm like, oh, okay, like, I have nothing to lose. Yeah, I lose it too. <laughs> yeah, I and so the next moment, uh, I get an email saying, inviting me to the, to the gala dinner. And uh, I go there and I'm literally representing my, my country. <laughs> so I think also, as I mentioned, it's about living your life based on most probably God's ultimate purpose for you and not necessarily doubting yourself. It's about doing what you're called to do and making sure that your, as I mentioned, your next move or mm. whatever you do is strategic. And it's about the next person in terms of, does it empower them? Does mm. it inspire them to be better versions of yourself? As I mentioned, you never know who's looking or who's watching or who needs to see you succeed or yeah. achieve. And at the end of the day, I believe that in terms of me, I need to use my skills and my talents and everything that I've been blessed with because you do not want to rob the world of these blessings of these talents. And if I were to, to be able to know how to sing well, it would be most probably what I do. You need to do it to the best of your abilities. If you are meant to heal people, you need to do that to the best of your, mm -hmm. your abilities. You shouldn't rob the world of the skills and the blessings that you've, you've been given. And it's also around knowing what talents and what skill set you have. I might be given one talent and that's it. And someone else has 10 or 20 other talents. For them, 
they need to make sure that these 10 or 20 talents, I polish them to the best of my ability. For me, I need to make sure that this one talent that I have, I nurture it to, to the best of my, my abilities. Mm. And I think also on top of that, um, it's around ensuring that the communities that we come out of, we are inspiring the next young girl or the next young boy to, to say that you, this is not your ultimate purpose or this is not ultimately where, where you end off. Because when you think of poverty, poverty is a cycle. Mm. And if you can have that mindset to say that, okay, she looks like me, but then this is what she's doing. What is stopping me from going and achieving what I need to do? It would mean that I need to work a full-time job, but then in the evening it means that I need to be studying and mm. upskilling myself. And it's not necessarily have to be the loudest of things. People need to know what I'm doing. It's something that you do for yourself to make sure that when the opportunity comes and they say, okay, you are a salesperson for the past five years. We're looking for a manager. You can always say, oh, I've had the experience. On top of that, in the evening, this is what I've been doing to make sure that in terms of my education and my skill set, this is on top of that, what I've been doing to make sure that if the opportunity comes, I'm, I'm ready and I'm mm. able to run with it. Because it's also a matter of you, you should also not um, think or overthink whenever there's a promotion. You should say that, let me go for it. And if I'm not qualified, I hope that I'll be in an environment where I'm able to ask for the training or the skill set that I need. Because you never know if you're going to be good at something or not unless you go for it mm. and you pick up your hand and say that this is what I want to do. As we mentioned, you need to be vocal of this is where I'm going and how does my manager, how does my company, how do the people around me insist in terms of achieving whatever my ultimate goal is at the end of the day? Mm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so I ask all my guests this question, mm -hmm. right? I ask, so I believe in the quote that says, be who you needed when you were younger. Right? I love that quote. So I always ask my guests, if you could go back and talk to the younger Pavallo, what would you say to her right now? Uh, I think for me, what I would say is she needs to believe in herself. It's super important because I think for me, as I speak here, I was also that person when I was in school, I'll be the quiet one. Mm. And I think there, there would be so many situations where I know the answer, but I'm not going to pick myself up because I don't want to sound like an idiot or whatever the case may be. And once I grew older, I realized that it's not just necessarily young Pabalo who knows the answer but it's not going to pick up her hand it's also even when I started in terms of my my work environment it's also me right now where I know the answer or I know where the vision should be but I'm not necessarily picking my hand up or exposing myself and I would tell her that don't be afraid of failure like we all fail in life and it's something that you learn from mm -hmm. and it's something that teaches you to be more more resilient it teaches you to be stronger it teaches you to be more aware of what is happening around you it helps you to make better decision making that will ultimately benefit you at the end of the day it's about making sure that i think also like a bit of advice that my mother gave me is that i should be able to learn to focus on myself because most of the time we try and help everybody else and she she told me that you need to make sure that you can help everybody else and it's good and it's fulfilling, but you need to make sure that you do not get to a point where you are depleted before you replenish yourself. You need to be able to say, okay, I'm at a point where I'm exhausted. Hence, I can't necessarily help you today. Can I come through tomorrow? You need to have mm -hmm. that balance in terms of you can help people, but then also learn how to help yourself, which is 
difficult for, for us as females because you want to be everybody's hero. You want to help everybody it's in your nature. But what my mother told me is that you can't always be everybody's hero because then you would be left in a position where you have nothing to give. And at that point in time, there's so many people relying on you mm. or depending on you that it's not just about you about you anymore, but then you have nothing to, to give. And uh, another piece of advice that I'll tell is to, to be bold, to be, be authentic. Uh, it's important to, to know your worth at the end of the day. I think for me, that is also important. Even now, to, to know my worth is something that I do not know, that I do not understand, that I try and figure out every day as, as I go. And knowing your worth is around the work environment. It's about the relationship. It's around the people that you keep around you. It's about your vision and your mission at, at the end of the day. And uh, just to, to share a story. So like, it's still confidential. <laughs> okay. Okay. So by the time your podcast comes out, hopefully you will be public knowledge. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Getting the scoop, yeah. Yeah. So even for me, like, uh, as I mentioned, like we're going through a lot of restructuring at work. So as we mentioned, I'm in the, the property team, so I'm still a junior. So I think for me with this whole thing, it told me that even a friend of mine I was sitting here when she was telling me actuaries don't get retrenched. It was, it was about a point where I had to pick myself up and know my worth. Mm. So I picked myself up and I started doing what I never thought in my life. So as I mentioned, don't be afraid. Don't fear failure. So for me, my, my, biggest, um, my biggest fear was to do consultancy work, to go into traditional actuarial work, to, to be a manager. And I think also a piece of advice a friend gave me was don't be, don't be scared. So when she said that, I felt my, my heart sink. You know, when you feel those tears coming out, when you feel like you're so raw and you're so open. Mm. So that was the, the advice that she gave me when I was busy applying for, for this a position that I never thought would be possible. And then uh, I think for me, it was a matter of I just went to um, one meeting, one coffee interview, and I had the position. Yeah. So it was a matter of, okay, how do I go from everything around me is crumbling. I don't know where my future is. I'm uncertain to a point where you sit next to someone that asks you, what is your plan? What do you, what is your vision? What is your strategy? And after a matter of minutes, you have a position that you never thought you'd have. So uh, I just got an offer now to be the, the manager of the advisory team oh at goodness. one of the consultants here in South Africa. Oh, wow. So I'm like, hmm, this is a Congrats. <laughs> No, congrats. Thank you. So that's awesome. a massive jump because uh, yeah. even considering I've literally only been working for, for three years yeah. and I'm going from a point where I have a manager and a manager's manager to a point where I'll be managing my own team. And it just took a few people telling me that you need to be bold. You need to be authentic. You need to know your worth. And what's important, don't be scared. So a friend of mine was like, don't be scared. And for me... It's not necessarily the fact that I feared failure. It's about the fact that I second doubted myself. I'm like, am I really worthy? Mm -hmm. um, what is everybody else going to say? So don't think of what if or what is someone going to say. It's about you at the end of the day. What am I capable of? What do I as a person want to want to achieve and going for it? And I think it's, it's always important to do what, what scares you because mm -hmm. that is when you get to a point of 
growth. That is when you get to a point of finding what your true purpose in, in life is. So scary. I'm still... <laughs> You're like still trying to digest it. I'm still trying to Because I applied for the position. I thought, oh, no, maybe that'll just make me a, a consultant or something like that. And then I get the offer. Because I think also with me, when I met the director, he's, he's at a point where someone already sees the potential in you that I didn't necessarily see in myself. So in a matter of minutes, someone already sees where your five-year plan is and mm. they're turning your five-year plan into a two-year plan. And I think that is what I would tell the old, the, the young Baba, also the old Babalo to say that you need to know your worth and do not be scared. Uh, you might fail at the end of the day, you might burn your fingers, but then it's all a growth process to get you to where your ultimate goal is or where your passion lies or your purpose lies in life. And know that God always has your has your back. You don't mm. need to be scared. You You need to be patient. I think... I always read trust God's timing and then uh, I have a bit of a debate with myself and God to say but then God this is what I want and this is what I want now but then at the end of the days around you you're not necessarily ready to receive the blessings because the blessings might be tenfold than the onefold mm-hmm. that you actually want to receive to receive God's now so trust God's timing and be patient uh, put everything in into him because there's always going to be a point where there's so much chaos going on around you. And if you do not put your purpose in terms of his plans for you, Mm. you will find yourself in a place where you don't even know how you got there or what happened or what's going on. And I think a lot of people get to that place so quickly because you think this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm meant to do. And you're not necessarily following the journey or following the process that was meant for you. You're trying to, create your own journey wow thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey so how can our listeners get in touch with you yeah uh so they can get in touch with me uh either on like instagram so my instagram handle is kp underscore babalo or they can even just uh, send me an email which is pk makupu at my which is my surname at yahoo.com because I think for me, I'm always looking for young black females yeah. just to share my story with. Because at the end of the day, that is how I grow as an individual. And I think even for, for us ladies, um, as we were talking about before, you don't necessarily see black females within high positions mm-hmm. that you can learn from. And for me, I feel that most of the issues that we see a lot of potential in the young people, that we do not want to advise them or train them thinking that, they're going to take our own position or they're going to be our bosses or mm. our managers. And I feel like for me, that is the worst thing that we, we can do to each other. We need to help each other grow. And if you can assist someone in their journey, if they're already smart and I have some of the experience, then imagine what type of future female leaders, future female CEOs that we can build and we can develop in terms of our country and in terms of mm. the world. Mm. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you so much, Vavala. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like this episode, take a screenshot and share it with us on Instagram or Twitter at SheBrigade. Don't forget to leave us your feedback by giving us a rating and review on iTunes. See you on the next episode. Bye.